When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Monday, San Juan, Puerto Rico. Thousands of residents flooded into the streets, demanding that their governor resign. Pop star Ricky Martin was right up front, standing on top of a truck, waving a huge rainbow flag. What does it feel like to be in the middle of a protest like that? Something so massive. Oh, I don't know. It's I grew up, I have to be honest, I grew up going to protests as a child. My parents, I come from a very protest family. Like, I grew up going to Natalia Rodriguez Medina was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Uh, I, when I was in college, I would go protest funding, cut, cuts to the funding of university. I would protest the fiscal control board when I was in college. Now she reports for Latino rebels. Says what was remarkable about this week's protest wasn't just the size, but how it attracted people who don't usually show up to these things. Older folks, people with disabilities. The people who protest are labeled usually as like, it's very similar to the U.S. It's like, oh, these socialists, oh, these like people who just want to like take control of the government. They're like lazy students. They don't want to do anything. And that's nothing of what we saw yesterday. Yesterday, it was literally just the whole population. These protests have been building for weeks, spurred on by the revelation that Governor Ricardo Rosseo sent offensive group chats. He made fun of regular citizens. He made fun of other politicians. He even called one a whore. He tried to manipulate journalists, too. In response, Puerto Ricans have camped out in front of the governor's mansion. They've held a yoga protest, a motorbike protest. They came in by horseback. I think it was like the estimate was about 5,000. 5,000 horses? Yeah, we have a lot of horses. There was even one group of protesters who paddled by the governor's residence in kayaks. They were on their boats with signs, blasting music. Is the governor even there to see all of this? So <laughs> we don't know where he is. He's kind of playing Carmen San Diego on us. They won't tell us his schedule. They just say he's busy. Like yesterday, for example, people asked where he was. And one of his, the members of his office was like, oh, we don't know where he is. And then like 10 minutes later, he was in Fox News. Those problems. Governor, who's come forward to support you in the middle Puerto of this Rico chaos? There are folks that have supported me. There Who are specifically is supporting you support, today? There are people. Okay, uh, you could just you give have me to one uh, name? see them out there. There is a protest. 
it was it was so cringeworthy just seeing him struggle to find one political ally. Governor, you're not able to give me the name of one person in Puerto Rico who supports you continuing yes. as governor. Is that correct? I can. So the mayor of San Sebastian, for example, uh, supported this effort. Whose Mayors. name is? A little while later, this mayor, he came out and he said, no, I don't support the governor. That was just, I don't, I, I can't say I feel terrible for him, but that was, that was bad. Listening to Natalia talk, you can hear the excitement in her voice. Like she said, she's spent her whole life protesting. She's thinking, maybe this time? This protest is going to work. But here's my question. The protesters in the street, they seem to be united in the fact that they want the governor out. But are they united in what they want after that? A lot of people are thinking of the future, but a lot are also focused on the now just getting him out. And the what happens later is where the division comes in. Like, I was telling my editor, this isn't just about the chats. This is, like, years of corruption and years of scandals and years of mismanagement from the two major parties building up. And the chat was just, like, what blew it over. The problem here is that this corruption isn't just about one politician. It's about a bunch of them in both major political parties. So even if the governor does leave office... Who's going to run Puerto Rico? And can they run it any better? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think a lot of people in the United States have heard about these chats that the governor was involved with that were incredibly rude and sexist and just bad behavior, but then also signaled some corruption because they were talking about journalists in a particular way. I'm wondering if you can just quickly tell me like what you saw in those chats and do you remember when they came out? So what happened is they came out in like increments. They came out in batches. That's a better word. The first leak happened. I don't even know who leaked it. It was on social media two weeks ago. I think it was like 11 pages only out of 889. And what we saw in those original pages was Rosselló and his buddies making a little bit of sexist jokes. But it wasn't... um, It wasn't too terrible. Everything was a little more PG. And we just saw like just dudes being dudes, if that makes sense. Well, I guess you probably saw 11 pages out of 800 some and thought, what else is here? Oh, for sure. Because you could it was so tempting. So it just said page something out of 889 and we only have 11. So everyone was just like, where is the rest? And these were published by an investigative journalism outfit, right? Okay, so the first leak, we don't know who who leaked it. They were just like on social media, they came out. 
The second leak was published by journalist Sandra Rodriguez Cotto. She is a investigative and freelance journalist who runs her own blog. And then on Saturday, the Centro de Periodismo Investigativo, which is the Center of Investigative Journalism from Puerto Rico, they released the 889 pages. This is where it came out that they were governing through pages of chats. Like they were sharing classified information, even though all members were not, some members were not members of the cabinet or members of public office. So they should not have that information on them. They were coordinating troll attacks on journalists. They were manipulating the news with specific journalists like that they had contacts with. So they would like call those journalists and be like, hey, yo, can you change this? They were insulting people. They were fat shaming. They were making transphobic jokes. They made homophobic jokes and they insulted our national treasure, Ricky Martin. They made very, very severe homophobic jokes against him. It was just like this whole mess. So why was this a breaking point? I think people just had had enough. Puerto Rico is a very conservative place, like religiously. And people were ashamed and people were like angry that this language was being used And I think also the people who usually back him up were just disgusted by this, like seeing that our governor was capable of talking this way about people was a breaking point. Huh. Well, I mean, I'm I'm curious where you would begin the story, because so many stories begin with the text messages. But would you start it there? (sighs) Do you mean Rosselló's story or like this whole recent month of crazy crap happening? Let's start with Rosselló's story. So, I don't know. I guess I would begin it in 2015 or maybe before that. I'm not sure if you're aware of Rosselló is like the George Bush of Puerto Rico. He is the son of our former governor. His father, Pedro Rosselló, was governor from 1993 to 2001. So he's a legacy. He is a legacy and he's not just a legacy of Rosselló's in government. He comes from a legacy of corruption in government. His father had many, many corruption scandals. He was never arrested. He was never indicted, but over 40 members of his cabinet were, and some were arrested and some served over 10 years in jail for corruption. You know, you said to one of our producers, you remembered watching TV during Hurricane Maria and getting frustrated because the media was so focused on how Trump was treating Puerto Rico, but not how Roseo was treating Puerto Rico. Yes. So after the hurricane, I had to leave. I went to Indiana to be with my aunt and take care of my grandmother. So I had TV access, which a lot of people on the island did not. And when Trump visited Puerto Rico, I was already in Indiana. And I remember seeing like the media blew up after that, like Trump's management, Trump this, Trump that, Trump that. And like, saying that the failure and the mismanagement of Hurricane Maria solely rests on him is completely wrong because Rosselló was governor then and Rosselló was in charge of distributing aid. He was in charge of distributing money. He was in charge of distributing funds. And a lot of people didn't even see that aid. A lot of people did not get water. A lot of people had no electricity for months and he was out giving contracts or his buddies were giving contracts to these companies that screwed Puerto Ricans over. His wife was involved in this um, organization called Unidos por Puerto Rico, United for Puerto Rico, which received money from a lot of Americans and a lot of people donated to that organization that was supposed to bring aid 
to Puerto Ricans in need. And I remember this so clearly when the news story came out, like she had the money and she didn't know what to do with it. And she wanted to build like parks and people were just like, why would you build parks when people don't even have food and water? And now that organization, which the first lady was involved in, is under federal investigation. Like the FBI is looking into them like this was announced last week. Well, what you're describing as a Puerto Rican sounds incredibly relentless because it sounds like you feel the United States is not doing a lot to help the island that the local politicians aren't doing a lot to help the island. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about all of the structural things in place that keep the island where it is. I just wonder if you can describe what it feels like to live inside of that, that will make it clear to someone who's not there what's at stake. I don't know. I would describe it almost as feeling of hopelessness and being trapped because from the U.S. we have, you know, certain restrictions that don't allow us. Like we have the Jones Act, which totally uh, makes our goods, our produced goods much more expensive. The Jones Act says that you can only have an American ship bring you goods, right? Yeah. So, for example, a car that might cost $17,000 in the U.S. here might cost $20,000, $23,000, stuff like that. Produce is more expensive. We don't have a lot of agricultural development because we rely a lot on the U.S. We pay taxes. We send people to the military and we can't vote for president. <laughs> There's also the Financial Oversight Board, which was uh, signed by Obama. They're here because Puerto Rico is in deep, deep debt. There's like $79 billion of debt that was accumulated over a couple of administrations. And so what they're doing is they're like taking funds away from pensions and they're closing down schools and they're taking money away from hospitals to be able to pay back these American or international investors who invested in Puerto Rico and are now owed money. And the people who got screwed over are the Puerto Ricans. I think a lot of times Americans talk about Puerto Rico as part of America, but I wonder if it feels like that when you're living there. Oh, not at all. Like, I know the official term is territory, but people here don't feel like a territory. We feel like we're a colony. We're seen and we're treated as secondary citizens. This feeling of frustration, of being trapped by the political system, it's crucial to understanding the protests right now in Puerto Rico. It's why Natalia can't imagine Governor Rosseo remaining in office for much longer. Rosseo's conceded some things. He's not going to run for re-election and he's not the head of his party anymore. But for many Puerto Ricans, the country's list of grievances is just too long to allow him to stay in office. Rosé is the least of their problems, but he's also a symbol of their greatest obstacles. People are just done with him to be very, very millennial. People are just done. They're over him. They're over his government. They're over the fact that he is responsible for all the things that happened after Maria, including the deaths of 4, 000, over 4,000 people. They're over the fact that he has mismanaged, that he has appointed people to his cabinet that have closed down schools, that have taken money away from hospitals. Puerto Ricans want him out now, and they want change now. And him renouncing 
the presidency of his party and refusing to to run for re-election next year is not going to cut it. I wonder, though, I was looking at a little bit of, you know, what's going to happen next if he goes. Mm -hmm. And it seems like no matter what, if you get rid of him, there's still so much to do. Like he resigned as the head of the party, which put someone else in charge. But that person is charged with corruption. And he's also the person who would be in charge of an impeachment hearing, which makes everything all the more complicated. I'm wondering if you can tell that story a little bit and explain what's going on. It's very, very convoluted. So the person who is in charge now, he's interim president of the party, is Tomas Rivera Chatz. Tomas Rivera Chatz has a very, very, very long political history in Puerto Rico. And he has very fierce opposers because he is a ruthless, ruthless leader. He has been known to threaten journalists. He has been known to threaten constituents. This is all alleged. Let me just go there. I don't want to get sued. And I don't want to receive a call in the middle of the night from him telling me he knows where I live because that has happened to people. And now he's not just the interim president of the party. He is the president of the Senate. There's rumors now that he's going to run for governor. And having a person like him who is who was accused of having phantom employees, is that the proper term in English? Say you have these employees, but when like you look into it, they don't exist. But there's these people who are like receiving payment and they're receiving contracts. And this happened like a month and a half ago. This is Chats? Yeah, this is Chats. He's, his office was accused, but he was not directly accused. And the FBI won't say if he's being investigated or not. It was like more his employees were accused, but it never goes directly to him. And this is the guy who's now in charge of the party. He is in charge of the party and he is in charge of the Senate. (sighs) Well, no matter what happens, there is going to be a gubernatorial election. And one of the people we know is throwing her hat into the ring is Carmen Julian Cruz. Mm hmm. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about her and what her campaign might look like, because I think most Americans are mostly familiar with her from Hurricane Maria, where she made it part of her job to basically troll the president and explain how much trouble her citizens were having getting the resources they needed. She's now the mayor of San Juan. So Carmen Julian Cruz is a very interesting figure in Puerto Rico. I remember... During the hurricane, a lot of people were very grateful for her because she was able to get Puerto Rican voices out. But there's also a lot of people who are very discontent with her because she was, I don't know, in Florida or in San Juan doing pressers and talking to the American press while her municipality was like in shambles. There's been a lot of criticism of how she mismanages Her time, she travels a lot outside of Puerto Rico because she is one of the campaign chairs for Bernie Sanders. And a lot of people have accused her of caring more about running for governor and her image in the U.S. than her constituents in San Juan. And obviously people from her opposing party despise her. Rosselló said very gross things about her, too, like the way he talked about her, like they were just supposedly quote-unquote joking in the chat, but they like incited violence against her. Joking about killing her. Yeah, joking about killing her. And that was super gross. And that just tells you how her opposing party viewed her. When do you think you'll have an idea of (laughs) 
where this will all end. You mean what's happening right now or <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I mean, with Roseo, but then also with the island in general. Everything feels like it's almost in a standstill, like the government, because the people are not. The people are in movement. The people are marching. The people are still going to go to Fortaleza every day and they're not going to stop. And they're still going to find creative ways to protest, like doing yoga or banging pots and pans at 830 every night. I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen Puerto Rico so united, ever. And it's been an experience that I'm so glad to be living, not just as a Puerto Rican, but as a journalist, to be able to talk to these people and know what they want. I feel like Puerto Rico is never going to be the same again after this. Natalia, thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Natalia Rodriguez Medina has been covering the protests in San Juan for Latino rebels. You can follow her reporting on Twitter. She's at Natalia Rod Med. All right, that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Ethan Brooks. You know who else works at Slate? Mike Pesca. He hosts his own show. It's called The Gist. Today, he is interviewing basketball player Chris Heron, whose NBA career largely ended because of drug abuse that started in his teens. Now, he speaks to thousands of students about making better choices, not by using fear tactics, but by examining the emotions tied to substance abuse. All right. If you want to catch me during the day, find me on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 